Okay, Boker Tov, we begin a new Meseches. The name of the Meseches is Moed Katan, which would literally mean a small holiday. So let's uh, look at the introduction over here so we don't get uh, overwhelmed on the first day. So we know that Pesach and Sukkos, they are days that begin with a Yom Tov and end with a Yom Tov and have days in between. And those days in between are called Chol HaMoed. Chol HaMoed as opposed to Yom Tov. Literally the words Chol means mundane. Moed, moed means a time of meeting, getting together. The Yom Tovim are called the Moadim. Why is it called the Moed? The word Moed from the word Vad to, to meet, to convene. Like the Ohel Moed, the tenth of meeting. So the holidays, Pesach, Shuvah, Sukkot, etc., are called Moadim. They're called, called times for us to get together with Hashem. And that's what makes it a Yom Tov. So therefore, the days in between the Yom Tov by Pesach and Sukkot are called Chol HaMoed, the mundane aspect of the Moed. Okay? And... We know that in Eretz Yisrael, again, to review, Pesach has one day of Yom Tov, five days of Chol HaMoed, one day of Yom Tov afterwards. Chutzarts, two days of Yom Tov, four days of Chol HaMoed, two days of Yom Tov. And for Sukkot, we just add a day to that schedule where in Eretz Yisrael, one day of Sukkot Yom Tov, six days of Chol and then Shemini Atzeres, Chutzarts, two days of Sukkot Yom Tov, five days of Chol and then Shemini Atzeres. So now, why is this name coming? Because as opposed to the beginning and ending days of the Yom Tov, the middle days, they call it intermediate, I guess that's a good word. They're relatively whole, mundane. Why? And that many forms of work are permitted on these days. So the main purpose of this Masechta and the first two chapters specifically, it's only three chapters, a short Masechta, so is to tell us which um, uh, uh, activities are forbidden or permitted on Chol HaMoed. And since these days have a lesser sanctity, so we call this Masechta Moed Katan, which literally means a minor Moed. Okay. And as it says, the rules governing Chol HaMoed, is it, now this whole thing for Eretz Yisrael is for a whole 11 days. <laughs> okay. So a whole 11 days, you got these very complicated uh, halachas. And the Gemara later on warns you can't infer a law in one situation to another situation. So it needs a lot of um, thought. So now we're going to just give you some of the main ideas. So we know on Shabbos and Yonta there's a concept of a malacha. A malacha is a activity that is biblically prohibited on Shabbos and Yonta together with various rabbinic restrictions as well. Okay? Now, what does that have to do with Chol HaMoyed? So, some of the Rishonim say that any work involving excessive exertion is forbidden on Chol HaMoyed, 
even if it's not a specific activity, which we will see more about that, business transactions are forbidden because they could lead to undue effort. And therefore, that's why uh, in these aspects specifically, Cholamoid is treated more leniently than Shabbos and Yontif. Okay, we know Shabbos, you can't do anything. You can't do anything. Yontif, we only allow uh, things for cooking uh, or caring. So here are the permitted categories of work on Cholamoid. And the whole job of the Gemara is to figure out which category activities fall in and which carry more weight than other aspects. So what are the permitted ones? Dover ha'avet, something that will be lost. So you're allowed to work on cholamayit to prevent a loss of capital or damage to property, which you already own, and that's as opposed to the opportunity of gaining further capital or further property. Okay, and that's going to be the very first mission is going to discuss this idea. So something that will get lost. And the reason is very obvious. You can't enjoy a yontif knowing that what you have is being ruined. Okay, a classic example is there's a leak in the roof. If you don't fix it immediately, your whole house will be damaged. So now it's to prevent damage. We're allowed to do that. But that's only on Cholamoy. Second, ochel nefesh, anything that has to do with food preparation or consumption, even if it's not allowed on yontif, it's allowed on cholamoid, which includes direct preparation for the item to be eaten, which would include harvesting, grinding, and trapping if you don't have any other food. You want to harvest some wheat because you want to have bread. You don't have any bread. Or preliminary acts that facilitate the preparation. Let's say making an oven. So let's say your oven breaks. Acholamoid. So have nothing to cook. So you'd have to be able to fix it. So that's the second category. And the third category, and this is probably oop, uh, the one that's the most abused category, is poel she'en lo yochal. A laborer who has nothing to eat. Okay, therefore, people would work every day. You made money every day. If you made money, you're able to survive. And if you don't cook, you don't make money, you don't live. So therefore, I you could say, why don't you sell some of your possessions? The rabbis don't require you to sell your possessions. Let's go sell your house so you can have some food. So you gotta go to work. So this has been a very abused leniency. So people think, okay, you can work on Cholamoy. You can only work if you don't have what to eat. Or if you're, if you're not being at work, it would cause you to get fired. And that would be a Dover Ha'avad. That would be a financial loss. That, so we'll see. Yes? What about if you have a business, and it's the type of business where you have all regular customers, in fact, all regular customers, not just one-shot customers like this, but they're all like regular customers. And what happens is if you shut down for mode, they'll all disappear. So that they've devoted your permanent uh, livelihood. Okay, so you, you'd have, so you can't give a, a simple answer to that because we know the business is much more complex. Yeah. Um, so if first, at first you try to find a way of being able to be closed, 
if it's possible, such as letting people know six months in advance to know that this office closes at this time twice a year. And that's how you should really start the business. If you start the business that way, then people understand as a regular customer, oh, this guy's not available at that time. If you start it that way, and I know it's hard for people to believe, Hashem will help you. You know, it's very hard to believe Hashem will really help you, especially when, you know, it doesn't seem to work in the business model. If you open up a business and you're telling customers, just want you to know my business, 50 weeks of the year I'm there for you. These are the two weeks that I cannot uh, be there for you. That's the best way. But then there are other leniencies. If you're already in that situation and closing could cause a lot of damage, then we'll have to discuss wh what are the leniencies and what. So it's not to be ignored, but it's not something to be abused as well. So this is this is exactly what this Masech was gonna talk about. Next, Tzorche Hamot, festival needs. If you have to do this to enhance your pleasure during the young tip or fulfill a specific need. Now, in this case, work requiring a degree of skill like carpentry and sewing cannot be done in a professional manner, which is called ma'ase uman, but only in an amateur fashion. Okay? Now, what does an amateur fashion mean? It's performed either by a novice or a craftsman who does it with a shinui, a deviation, which now makes it look like a novice is doing it. Okay? Now, so <clears throat> let's say <coughs> you have a pair of pants and a button pops. And, you, and this is your only pair of pants, let's say. So you need to fix the pants. So we're going to see it have to be done in an amateur fashion. You sew the button on, but not in a professional fashion. In other words, enough to get you through the young to, but not to all to be discussed in greater detail. And then there's a whole special area of haircuts and laundering, even for festival purposes, where there's special restrictions. We'll see why. Because that stuff you could have done before Yom Tev. And if you haven't done it before Yom Tev and you're leaving it for, before Cholomite, if you're leaving it for Cholomite, why are you leaving it for Cholomite? You can get a haircut. You should get a haircut before Yom Tev. So you don't come in looking disheveled. If you say, well, you know, Cholomite, I'm not working anyway, so I might as well push off my haircut to the barber for Cholomite. The rabbis punished us and said, you can't get a haircut at Cholomite because you didn't come into Yom in a nice way. You, you, you took it, you abused the system. Same thing with washing clothes. We will see there's lots more details to that idea. Fifth level of permitted activities is Tzorche Rabin, things that the community needs uh, and it needs to be done for Yontav needs. Uh, or, well, rather, if they're, even if they're related or not, but if it's not needed at all until after the Yontav, it should be done in an amateur fashion, which we will discuss as well. Let's say uh, the traffic lights in B'nai Brock are not working. Well, that is definitely a festival need. You have to have the traffic lights working so you would fix the traffic lights. Uh, any any communal needs, uh, utilities, things like that, road work, you know, all of a sudden a, a terrible uh, 
what do you call that? Fix a sinkhole on the road. You have to fix that up. You can't say, well, no, let's just everybody just not drive on the street on that. No, you need to drive on the street. So those are the five categories of activities that are allowed as they're all related in one fashion or not to enjoyment of the young, to having food and all the, all these things. Yeah, Steve? So the purpose is to force us to enjoy the houses. Otherwise, we go back to work. Well, yeah, well, the purpose is, remember, a moe means a time of convening. The, Hashem, the Torah specifically says, out of the 354 days in the Jewish calendar, we have 50 to, uh, 48 Shabbatot, so that knocks it out to about 300 days. And then you've got, in Israel, 7, 1, 8, 8, 16, 22, uh, about 20 odd uh, days that you uh, have to convene with Hashem. And that means the entire sukkahs. Hashem wants you, the entire sukkahs, to be with Him. The entire Pesach to be with Him. Now, Yontif has much stricter ideas, but even Cholomoy, the idea is for you to be spending time with Hashem and not spending time doing other things. Now, of course, Hashem cannot expect you to, to live Yontif for seven days in a row. You're not gonna have much food. You're not gonna have a lot of things you need for your own personal hygiene and needs. So that, of course, Hashem's not gonna restrict that because that would make it onerous, onerous on, on, on you. But yeah. but to be focused, to, so you have, to, you have to prepare breakfast, fine. Hashem's okay with that, go have breakfast. I'm not telling you not to have breakfast. But all the rest of the time, you should be with Hashem. That's, that is the real biblical intent of that. So it's like having a vacation with Hashem. Now, in the olden days when people had a real good relationship with Hashem, they wanted to always be with Hashem and never they had to go to work because of the gullus that we were in or whatever. Hashem wants you to work too. And, and to be with Him, Shachris Min Chamarev, uh, learn a little bit during the day, but at least he wants two, uh, 20 days during, or, or at least two times a year to take a one-week vacation to be with Hashem in the springtime and a one-week vacation in the fall to be with Hashem. That is the vacation destination. Why do people think they can go to Coney Island? You mean to amusement parks? Yeah. yeah. They have all these fun people, so yeah, well, okay, so the, the kids go crazy. Never mind. Coney Island, then. Uh, it's up in, I don't know, Tuscany or wherever. Again, there's there's the letter of the law and the spirit of law. Now, it depends. There's a number of issues over here. So, let's say, if you're going, let's say, to a Pesach hotel, okay? So, there, it depends on the type of Pesach hotel you have. If it's a Pesach hotel where there's learning, and classes and rabbis the whole week, if you can afford it, why not? Because then that's exactly the spirit of the Yom If you have, let's say, a Project Inspire would do it for a whole week, where Project Inspire, it's just mainly learning. You know. Now, of course, on the other hand, you have children who are not in school and they need to be attended to. 
So what are you going to do for children? And children, their understanding of Yom Tov is not our understanding of Yom Tov. So children want to play. Okay, so what are they going to do? Now the truth is, somehow, uh, we survived as kids before there was all this entertainment. It's, it wasn't easy. But you're right. On the one hand, it, it's not good. It's also meant there should be some, there's an idea also of Yom Tov is half for Hashem, half for you. Time to be with your family. So that there is time to come. Now, how you spend your family time, that's already a, a, a more complex issue. Uh, but it's but certainly, now I'm sure if you go to um, Haredi areas in Eretz Yisrael, there are certain Haredi areas in Eretz Yisrael, I know you're not, not as high to believe, they have school seven days a week. They have school on Shabbos. Because it's not school, it's learning Torah. Now, the, the, of course, it's not the same school schedule, but, uh, you know, they davening uh, on Shabbos, so instead of being whatever, so it's like 7.30, they finish davening at 9.30, they have a suit at home, okay? And they, have, they learn Torah from, let's say, 11 o'clock to 3 o'clock. And they like it. It's not, it's not school, ugh, I hate school. I like learning. And that their whole, their, the kids are learning. And honestly, that's the best thing for a kid to do on a Shabbos, to do that instead of playing basketball on Shabbos, which has halachic problems. Depends what you're trained with. From at a young age, if you are trained to study Torah, and that is, you're taught, and your parents feel it's the greatest pleasure, so children are learning. And therefore, a Cholomoy, they have school too. It's learning Torah. What, what, what's so, it's not school. It's what learning. What about the teachers? So they're learning Torah too. It's not a job. It's Talmud Torah. That's a myth of learning Torah. Okay, so it's not a full day of school. But there is a certain amount that children are meant to learn. So again, we have a, this is all part of the Gullus mentality. Where the Gullus mentality is that it's not all about Hashem. It's all about me and I'll squeeze Hashem into my life. The Torah clearly says we don't squeeze Hashem into our life. Hashem is our life. And now you try to squeeze other things within the parameters of what Allah allows. So therefore, you know, it's Nebuch, a very difficult Gullus. There were times in Gullus where it was impossible to take off of work on Cholomoy because you could not live without working on Cholomoy. And therefore they had to, they had to work or you would starve to death. Okay, not when we had a temple, not when we had Eretz Yisrael, and we were following Hashem, and we were blessed by Hashem. They did not have to work in Kolomoy, because they were their own bosses. And they would determine when they're harvesting, and they made sure that all that was done before or after the Yom Golos, unfortunately, has done a terrible job on our ability in all myths of service, notwithstanding Kolomoy. So therefore, at least to learn what the Lochas are, and especially when people are retired, it's a lot easier to follow the halachas than before. And you can do uh, you can uh, do it more uh, complete. Okay, so now, what? Uh, so those are the five things. So you're meant to enjoy the Yom Tif, to be with Hashem, to enjoy your family, and not to be distracted from the Yom Tif. That the main thing is to be focused on Hashem. You don't need that stress. You don't need to stress, oh, yeah, I gotta get up at six o'clock in the morning because I gotta finish davening at 7.15 and get my Gamora class and I gotta go out and work. You gotta work normally. So without that stress, 
things are more relaxed, you can dive a little later, you can learn more. That's what it really is designed for. So now, but what are the factors that even if it's allowed, but there's certain other factors that we have to take into consideration. So we have five factors. One is called mechaven malach tolamoid, scheduling one's work for cholamoid. So in spite of the fact that uh, you had a chance to do the work before the festival, the Yubdavka said, I'm leaving it for cholamoid, you cannot do it on cholamoid unless the only time you could have done it was cholamoid. Okay? But if, uh, you know, you really had time before cholamoid, to, uh, to, to grind some flour. I said, well, why should I stress myself out before you? I'll do it on Yontif. If you had time, and you put off the other, no, we're not allowed to do it. Uh, similarly, although not necessarily, people, uh, parents often will schedule for their children dental appointments, medical appointments that are not necessities to be at a specific time. They schedule for Cholomite because it's not as stressful. Again, that's not uh, optimal, to say the least, because you can get an appointment. So a lot of parents plan the twice a year dental appointments for Cholomite. That's not the time. That's not the time to do that. Oh, it's a lot more stressful. Okay, that's the point. You're not supposed to delay those things. Um, If you're moving, do not plan to close on Cholomite. Well, that's when they want it. You know what? You can make a whole one-week difference. I don't know if any deals get lost over a one-week thing. Problem is people sign the things, don't think about when Yontif is. And they, we, well, I signed it uh, five months ago for the closing on uh, September 28th. I didn't know it was Cholomoid. Well, guess what? Your job is to know that it's Cholomoid. That's what part of being a Jew is. And, and before you make these decisions, Whenever I look to book a vacation, whenever I look to book anything, I first look in the calendar. And I said, if that can't, it doesn't matter. I get, I have to go to the hospital. I got to go to doctors. I tell them, sorry, I can't make it. Now, unless it's chas uh, an emergency, and you need to run it. But generally, there most aren't. So that's the idea there. Second idea, tircha yasera, excessive exertion. If you're allowed to do it, but it's going to exhaust you, as we'll see shortly in the first Mishnah, there are certain types of fields you're allowed to water on Cholomoy, because if you don't, they will be destroyed. And there'll be permanent damage. But the way you water it depends. If it's going to cause excessive exertion, let's say it's a very heavy pail going down to a very deep um, well, and that's going to exhaust you pulling it up five or six times. And when you're finished with that, you might just got to go to sleep for two hours. So no, you have to find an easier way to do it. You don't want to exhaust yourself with permitted activities. And derech schirus, working for hire, even permitted work may not be done for pay, except for a worker who needs the for food. In other words, you say, well, this is something that uh, somebody needs something and uh, your kippah is on your feet. Oh. That's it. You made a full turn. <laughs> yes. Okay. So if if you don't have food to eat, of course you can work to get paid because you're doing that to have money to buy food for Yantiv. But to do work, although the work may be permitted, but why do you have to do it? Let a goy do it. Let's say, for example, 
you're uh, an electrician. Okay, now you're doing fine. You don't have to work on Cholomoy. So some a Jew calls you up. Oh my, uh, the electricity went out and this the socket went out. Can you fix it? She says, I'm sorry. Is there a goy that you could hire? Have a goy do it. Why should I do it? Unless you want to do it not for pay. Uh, but why should I be doing it? Now, if there's only, if there's nobody else who could do it except the Jew, then there's issues if you take pay for it or not. That's all complicated issue. But you generally don't work for pay. And finally, yeah, yeah, sure. Excessive exertion. Excessive exercise. You shouldn't exercise in public. Not ex- excessively. Well, it's mildly excessive. You know, but again, it's for your health. It's for your health, and you enjoy it. You can do it again. That, again, depends on the person. Depends on the situation. Yeah. Depends how necessary the exercise is to be done. Well, one thing for sure, we don't exercise on Shabbos and Yom Tov, yeah, right? But Cholamoyd, if that's your pleasure and that's your simcha, there's reasons to allow it. Okay. Now, final factor is Farhesya, public setting. Now, what question is, the individual might be suspected by onlookers, as Maris Ayan, of violating the laws of Cholamoy, and therefore something should do it privately. In other words, let's say there's something that you are allowed to do, but other people may not realize. Let's say they don't know. Let's say everybody in your community does not have to work on Yontif, Cholamoy. Uh, They're doing financially well, and this guy needs to, but nobody knows. And they're going to see him publicly working, they say, what? You're working? What are you working for? No one's going to ask questions and judge favorably. So therefore, you have to do the work. Do the work privately so people won't misconstrue what you are doing. So now we have the five overall things that you're allowed to do the water, uh, do uh, work on Cholamoid in order to live normally on Cholamoid. But the four restrictions, even within what's permitted, we can't do it because then that will take away from the, the theme of being uh, connecting with Hashem. Now, the third chapter, as we said, extensively deals with the laws of mourning, and we'll see how that gets, um, what do you call it, affected a lot by Yom Tif at Cholamoy, because we know there's laws that mourning stops because of Yom Tif at Cholamoy. So therefore, once we get into that intersection of mourning with Yom then we get into halachas of mourning, so if you need to know anything about mourning, it's in there. Just one important uh, footnote over here. The commentary of Rashi. In this Masechta, it's not so simple. Okay, why? The commentary of Rashi printed in the standard Vilna edition is often with at odds with the explanations of Rashi quoted by Tosfos and the Rishonim. Which you look in the standard Gemara, you see Rashi. But then when you see Tosfas commenting on Rashi, it looks like he's looking at a different Rashi. When he quotes Rashi, it's not the quote that we see or other Rishonim. It is, so, um, so therefore, that's one issue. Also, it's also completely different than the commentary of Rashi printed alongside the Rif and the Ein Yaakov. So it's a big question is what is that version? The printed r- version of Rashi in the Talmud closely resembles the commentary of Rabbeinu Gershon, etc., another reshown instead, and some suggest it is Rabbeinu Gershon and not Rashi. Then there was a manuscript published in 1961 
and that manuscript agrees closely with the Rashi on the Rif and Den Yaakov as well. And since it's uh, written called Perish Rashi Hamiti, so therefore uh, the art scroll at least going to refer to as Rashi MS manuscript, and that's on the margin of uh, the page. So there is a discussion. The Rashi that we have is not the real Rashi or not. It's a separate Rashi. That's an interesting point for that. With that, we end the introduction, and tomorrow we begin the first Mishnah, already applying all these rules in the very first Mishnah. Okay, shkayach, everybody.